Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. This Facebook group is women physicians with infertility who are done using their genetics and on to using donor eggs and embryos. This is a real Facebook group. permission before he kissed me he's like may I kiss you like it was perfect it was beautiful and the very next day he dumped me hey everybody welcome back to the scoop storytelling series podcast I'm Laura Wexler and I'm Jessica Hankin and this week on the podcast modern families two tales of women creating families they never expected before by the way isn't that all women but anyway um okay all parents um before we get started we want to thank mend acupuncture so the owners of mend sarah leary and kim hennessy are just a couple of really awesome women and they have two locations right now where you can um get poked starting at 35 dollars a session and they are opening a new location in the canton area in December. So please check them out and tell them that the soup sent you there. They will take care of whatever is ailing you. Okay. So our first storyteller, uh, we actually heard uh, her father share a story on last week's episode of the and podcast. She is, is here because he, because of his story of last because week. Because of his threatening he, actions. <laughs> yes. Of his trick, his trickery. <laughs> um, okay, so Manisha Aliwalia is a, gosh, she's just a Renaissance woman. She's a physician and an avid uh, tennis player and now a, a life coach. A life coach, but in a good way. Like, I don't know. Um, she just, she seems to have it down in a way that's like very authentic and, um, and loving. So, and, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. So please welcome and listen to Manisha. 2013, I married a guy. We were going to have a life of service. We were going to volunteer in the world. And we decided that children were not important. We thought maybe they, maybe they would be a hindrance to our work in the world. And so off we went to Uganda in our first year of marriage to work with Doctors Without Borders, our first mission together. That was 2013 to 2014, and in that time period, um, friends and family younger than us were starting to have children, their first kid, their second kid, and my husband said, hey, I want kids, and I said, but we agreed not to, and I don't want kids, so in 2014 and 15 and 16 and 17, we had this conversation over and over again. And finally, in 2017, he said, please make the decision to try and get pregnant or I'm going to have to go. I said, I don't want kids. So he left. And a month later, I decided, no, I love this man. I want this marriage to work. I'm going to do whatever it takes. So in 2017, we got together again and we decided to try to get pregnant. And we also tried to stay pregnant. And I say that deliberately because we found that we were able to get pregnant, but not necessarily stay pregnant. We would get to six weeks, 
six weeks, three days, six weeks, six days, go to the ultrasound, no heartbeat. And this happened over and over again, multiple miscarriages, multiple DNCs, which is the surgical removal of a non-viable pregnancy under general anesthesia because the body is not rejecting the pregnancy on its own. So we went through this 2017, 2018, 2019, December 2020. That was our most recent. And around this time, I had heard about this concept of embryo donation. Somebody has created embryos through fertility treatments. They have extras. They store them. And then they can either donate them to science, donate them to families, or discard them. So I heard of this concept, and at that time I said yes to the option, and it didn't work out. But now in January or February 2021, the same woman who had offered her embryos when it didn't work out for us said, there's an Indian woman, a physician, and she's on this Facebook group that I'm in. And this Facebook group is Indian, no, sorry, women physicians with infertility who are done using their genetics and on to using donor eggs and embryos. This is a real Facebook group. I wasn't in this Facebook group, but it exists. And so this woman from before tells me about this group and that there's this woman posting in this group now. She happens to be Indian. And she says, hey, there's this Indian woman giving up embryos. Do you want them? And I said, yes. So this was probably February this year. And by March, April, we had spoken to this family in Texas. They had spoken with us. They liked us. We liked them. They said, we'd love to help you guys out. But we have five embryos, so we'd like to help out another family if possible. So this Texas family with five embryos has decided to give us three because we were there first. And they found another family in right here in Columbia, Maryland. So here we are, five, uh, sorry, six people, three couples, all Indian women physicians, all with infertility, sharing these genetic siblings of sorts. They have two kids in Texas, and their five embryos are being donated to these two families in Maryland. So here we are, March, April, and uh, in May, we decided to prep my body to get ready to receive one of these embryos. So we were going to take hormones and things, and we were going to take my body and my uterus to Texas. And in Texas, they were going to put one of these embryos inside of me. Well, we got through one month of fertility treatments, and the doctor said it's not working. The uterine lining is not getting um, thick enough. So, you know, the house for the kid wasn't getting healthy enough. So he said, we're going to have to stop the cycle. And I said, okay, sure, we'll just start again in four to six weeks, you know, after a period and the lining sheds, and we start again. And my husband said, but, you know, a few weeks ago I told you to not exercise so much and not to eat so little on this fitness program that we joined together. And I had given you that advice before, and you didn't listen, and look where we are now. And I said, well, in January 2021, I told you I was reaching my limit. And in May of 2021, I told you and your parents that I was reaching my limit. And it's now June, and I've reached my limit. I no longer want to try to get pregnant. And I knew that this could potentially be the end of our marriage because it had now become conditional. So in July uh, this year, we separated. And as 
couples separate and go through divorce, and ours is very amicable and very loving, even to this day. We decided to separate assets. So he came over, and he took the small things in the home that belonged to him. Uh, we had to figure out who was going to take which properties that we owned together. Thank you, Missy. Um, we had to decide who was going to get which car. I got the dog, and we had to fight about Hamden, because, you know, Hamden. And we stayed in Hamden, actually both of us. And then was the question of the embryos. And I said I would take care of the embryos. So a few months prior to this, believe it or not, a woman had offered her embryos to me, you know, because this happens in life. And these embryos I didn't need because I had just adopted three myself. And I said, well, I don't need yours, but I can tell some other people on this Facebook group that I'm in about them. And she said, okay, great. And so this woman came forward, wanted these embryos from this other woman, and it didn't work out for them either. So here we are in June, July, and I reached out to the same woman for whom it didn't work out for these other embryos that had been offered to me. And I said, hey, I have embryos. And she said, you have embryos to donate to me? And I said, yeah, well, I adopted them, and I don't need them because I'm not going to have kids. But I have these embryos. They're in Texas, but you can have them. And she said, wait, let me, hold on one second. So I have to go, so remember, women physician group, which is where we're connected. And she said, well, I have to go and perform this C-section on my patient right now, but I'll get back to you. So a couple of hours later, she calls me up and she said, I have spoken with my husband. Um, We are in complete disbelief that you are offering this gift to us. And I said, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that I can do this for you. And I just wanted to let you know that the couple that offered the embryos to us has one requirement. And that is that any siblings that are coming from these embryos have a chance to meet their living siblings who live in Texas. So this couple in New York who was vying for these embryos, they said, okay, well, that's fine with us. But can I just be clear? Can I clarify? She said you're saying that the couple in Texas is the one that gave you the embryos and now those embryos you're giving to us? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh my God. And I said, I know, oh my God. And she said, those are the same embryos that I wanted one year ago. And they didn't come to me. And I said, well, they came to me. And I also said, you know, the other thing is, I just realized that The couple in Texas who wanted to give up these embryos, they happen to be not only Indian, but they happen to be from the state of Kerala in India, which makes them Malayali. And I happen to know by your name, and this is a wild guess, that you're not only Indian, but also from the state of Kerala, and you're also Malayali. And she said, oh my God. And I said, oh my God. So as I now am going through an amicable and loving separation and divorce, the woman in New York is in the process of adopting these embryos from Texas. And I am just so happy to be part of this modern family. That's my story. Thank you. I mean, that is an epic story. Uh, Just, you know, when she listed off all of the pregnancies that you know, that ended prematurely, uh, you know, just one after another, after another, you know, it's just, you almost want to submit it to take that in, like, good Lord. Yeah. Um, And it's so common, 
You know, it's, it, yeah. unfortunately, it's so common and it doesn't get discussed in the way that it should just to remove, because I, you know, uh, you and I both are moms, but I, I definitely didn't have like um, a linear road to that. And the shame that I felt whenever it didn't click was, oh, gosh, it was so hard to get and through. Can you, and can you imagine how even harder it would be if you were ambivalent about having children? Right. Like in some ways you would think, oh, well, you don't, if you don't want children as badly then it wouldn't, but I think it'd just be so dang confusing and angering and just all the feelings, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's great. She took, she took ownership and just went on a, a totally different path and she seems to have no regrets and she did something incredibly and, and feels altruistic. Proud of, yeah. 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 Feels proud of helping to create another family. Before we get on to our second story for this evening, we want to thank Baltimore Magazine, which is a great sponsor of this dupe. You can find them on newsstands and at baltimoremagazine.com. And we want to thank uh, The Wine Source, which is a wonderful wine, beer, and snack supplier located at 3601 Elm Avenue in Hamden. Okay, so this uh, final storyteller for this evening, her name is Carrie Prey, which is funny in a way. Once you hear your, her story, you might think it's funny too. And she's actually somebody who I read a piece of hers in Medium. And I was so, um, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So I stalked her and found her and asked her to share a story. And she did. And what a story it is. Take a listen. So I've always been a really good Mormon girl. Like, my family is super, super Mormon. Like, my ancestors crossed the plains with a handcart and all of their wives. So maybe it makes sense, or maybe it doesn't make sense that I've always had a thing for gay men. Always. Because in Mormonism, there's two things that are really true. One, your thoughts are sins. And two, you are not allowed to be gay at all. So in seventh grade, there was a new boy and his name was Casey. And I saw him across the playground. And he sashayed over to a group of girls. And he said, honey, your nails, they're amazing. And I looked at him and I watched him and I said, yes, this is the boy for me. In 10th grade, I had a crush on a a boy named Bo. We met in the musical, and we would sit side by side on the piano, and we would play songs that we made up. And he said to me, Carrie, I like you, but I'm in love with Shane. And I said, listen, Bo, being gay sounds really hard, so just don't. I went to an extremely conservative religious university, BYU. It's an expellable offense to be gay. It was when I went there. And I told a friend, I'm, I'm relieved, finally, I can date somebody, and they're not going to be gay. And she's like, I think there's probably gay people at BYU. And I was like, no. It's literally against the rules. Literally. My first kiss, I was 19 at BYU. 
His name was Fernando. It was incredibly romantic. Like, we go into the mountains. There was a frozen waterfall, like, under the frozen waterfall, and he smelled like escape cologne. And he asked permission before he kissed me. He's like, may I kiss you? Like, it was perfect. It was beautiful. And the very next day, he dumped me. And he, and he said, I look at you, and I don't want to kiss you. And I was like, it was my first time. I will get better, I promise. And he's just like, honey honey no I mean long story short there he's happily married in Oregon with his husband now I was so relieved when I met Steve finally a boy I like and he's not gay he's not he's totally straight he said so and (laughs) my sister said to me are you sure are you sure that he's straight because we know how you are. (laughs) And I said, he would know if he was gay. And he says he's not. And she said, no, Carrie, you are Mormon. You don't ask questions when you're Mormon. There are questions that you will never ask yourself, and you don't know that he knows that or doesn't. And I was like, it's fine. We got married. We got married in the Oakland Mormon Temple. My bridesmaids were a a whole rainbow, and I I have no explanation for this at all. I'm sorry. (laughs) Gayest wedding. So, 10 years into our marriage, one day I go to the restroom, and the tablet is there, and I'm like, fantastic. I can play Candy Crush in the bathroom. Wonderful. I pick it up, and he's left the browser open. And I looked through it, and I scrolled, and I was like, huh, that's a lot of lumberjacks. (laughs) That's a lot of shirtless lumberjacks eating pancakes. That's very strange. So when we are confronted with possibly marriage-ending, sort of life-altering moments, we all know that the best thing to do is to completely ignore them because they will go away. So I did. Six years went by. Six years. A lot of stuff happened in the six years. We moved to Maryland, was one of them. And Steve started getting into car crashes. Single car crashes at night. We'd be, he'd be driving in windy, dark roads and would run off the road. He totaled three cars. After the last car, the police brought him home. And his, his hands were shaking. He couldn't look at me when he was talking to me. His eyes were glassy. He had burns on his arms from the airbag. And he said, I promise you that I didn't do this on purpose. But when the car came to a stop and I was in the ditch, I knew that I was alive and that I didn't want to be. And I don't know if that's why I crashed. And so I wanted to do something. I wanted to tell him so many things. I wanted to tell him that it was wrong what had happened to him. That you should be able to ask yourself questions. To not be able to think a thought. It's an act of violence to be in that position. So I sat down. And we had a talk. And he's like, I'm so glad that you have finally decided to have this talk with me. It's been way too long. We need, we need to have this talk. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you really need to start dating women. 
And I said, what? (laughs) Because there are questions you've not been asking yourself, and it has been too long. And I was like, this is not how I expected this conversation to go. So we made a deal. I would date women. He would date men. Long story short, my wife is here tonight. We just celebrated a year. My husband lives in the basement, has a lovely boyfriend. We all co-parent the children together, and that is the story of how I ended up living in a polycule. interesting I don't know if I told you this Jessica but when the story that Carrie wrote that I first saw was not a funny story at all wow at all and um and so it it was really interesting when I talk with her that what you know that her personality is funny and like orally she's funny but when she writes she's really serious and I'm the same way I mean I think orally I'm funny but when I write (laughs) like it tends to to be pretty like heavy and sad so it was it was really cool to see this be like a venue for her to explore a different way of telling a story about this these experiences well you know they say that all comedy is embedded in in sadness you know just Mm -hmm. just the grace of time allows it to be uh, move into the world of, of comedy as opposed to tragedy. But uh, I actually think, I mean, she could be an incredibly successful stand-up comedian. <laughs> I do not say that lightly. Her comic yeah. timing was unbelievable. And I yeah. mean, the, I just, it was artful. It was like someone who had been doing that for years. So gosh, yeah. it was such a pleasure to see her tell the story. Yeah, and, yeah, and have her, awesome. her wife be in the audience, and uh, I was, it was just fantastic. And now we all know what a polycule is. So, I, yes, I know what it is. I will not risk pronouncing the pronouncing pronouncing the word. Like I don't think I could get that right. I, I mean, I can't even say pronouncing. So uh, <laughs> it's a hard word to say, and yeah. I have to say that I would say probably on a daily basis is 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 no joke. So easy that was a real do, hard to say. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Easy to do, hard to say. Oh, you know what? I don't think you're Maybe. saying that at all. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right, we're gonna get out of here, but but before we go, um, we wanna let you know that you can visit soupstorytelling.com to find out about our upcoming holiday show and to learn about all of our events. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Soup Storytelling Series. We want to thank Maureen Harvey for producing. And you for listening. And before we get out of here, we want to encourage you to go visit our friends at Golden West, which is an omni restaurant with a vegan forward menu located on the Avenue in Hamden here in Baltimore. And we will be back soon with more stories from the soup. Yeah. 